This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Let's find out today which one of us gets into a meditation pose first either out of need or want. Uh, Darren, you have your legs crossed right now. What does that say? What does the body language say there? Felipe, you're sort of on the edge of your your seat. You actually have a second layer on. I don't really feel like the AC is that intense in here, but you're like a coach. Doesn't matter what the weather conditions are. You're always wearing that weatherized jacket. Doesn't matter exactly. Although yours isn't cut off at the sleeves, you don't want to show off the guns or the ink today. So that's good, like a Matt Prater. We'll get into that a little bit later. So I went and looked up this meditation pose, okay, here on Cardinals Underground. And some images popped up, and then I went on Twitter, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what exactly? And here's what I realized, that uh, Kyler Murray is being accused of plagiarizing that pose from international soccer. European soccer fans. But that really wasn't my takeaway. It was what the Euros were posting and calling football, quote, egg ball. Overseas, they're calling the sport of football egg ball, or another term was American hand egg. And then there were a lot of uh, pejoratives at the Are expense we sure of this football. Is European people, or is this like foreign language people that just don't translate well? It, 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 was, it was people in support of all these uh, European soccer teams, and they were taking umbrage that uh, NFL football was actually getting some sort of headlines and once yeah, again they were calling it egg ball and american hand egg which i've never heard before i mean because I, that meditation pose hasn't been around for thousands of years probably predating right. soccer people, people are saying that he copied baby yoda from the mandalorian for those that watch okay. the mandalorian on disney plus that's I mean, where it started i stopped watching star wars years ago uh you know i was in on the first but then once it got beyond the trilogy and it got into pure money grab and they turned it into rides at disney and so forth i said you know what i just don't have time paul calvisi is just so pure for the next are you a diehard star wars fan paul uh, diehard absolutely not but i have a younger brother who is and may or may not have been spotted at comic-con a time or two and yeah. so uh, i try not to mention that there's sort of a stain on the family family name uh, let's just put it that way i mean All right, here we go. Cardinals Underground, uh, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Uh, And and do we really buy Kyler's excuse? And then we'll go from here. Are are we saying he has no knowledge of Star Wars and or that wasn't in response to Chandler Jones? Uh, Darren Irving, you spent a lifetime sitting in these pressers (laughs) trying to figure out fact from fiction. I'm I'm surprised that there's all these people that, like, would doubt that, 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 he, I mean, I've run into lots and lots of people who have never seen Star Wars, believe it or not. Okay. He's Pre- not the first. So I don't, I'm not understanding. He, he didn't say it with a smile on his face. He looked actually a little irritated that people were thinking it was Star Wars. I don't know why everybody's like, oh, he's lying. He's, he's totally copying Star Wars. I, I find that to be a little uh, crazy to me. See, I happen to be one of those people that pre-quarantine, I had no clue of any 
Star Wars references or, or whatnot. So I believe it, especially because uh, uh, Kyler Murray is more of a, you know, he he puts in that karate cape emoji on a lot of the yeah uh, a lot of his pictures and whatnot. So I think it was more of him, you know, meditating uh, as if he was like Bruce Lee or Jackie yeah. Chan, something in that regard. He definitely, so. I will say this, whatever it was, he had, he was planning it the whole way because he gets in the end zone and then he runs over and does it. Yeah. So. Whatever it was, yeah. he he was ready to do it. And he had the Bruce Lee uh, picture on his pad too. So that, that was pretty cool. You know, that was pretty cool. He's, when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL, I want to I want to say Kyler Murray is one of the most. Here comes another word. He has a lot of swag. Swag. Wow. You know, it's tons it's, and tons of swag. It's funny you bring that up, Fleet, because you know, I had a, a question in the mailbag this week that uh, somebody was like kind of upset that there seemed to be so many. Cardinals fans that don't like Kyler or don't like his leadership or whatever and I do feel like there is definitely a and and part of it might be his age but I do feel like there's a there's a vibe there where there I'm not going to say there's a cutoff and there's always there's going to be younger fans that don't like him and there's going to be older fans that love him but I would say in general as you get older as a fan, it seems like you're more likely to not like him for one reason or another. And as you get younger as a fan, it seems like there's more chances that you will like him. The things that Kyler likes to do, the the things that Kyler embraces are the things that, quite frankly, now I'm sounding old, young people embrace. He, he, likes, he likes playing video games. The swag means something to him. The Instagram pictures mean more to him than giving a good press conference. And... Those are the things that younger players, younger people seem to enjoy. And I do feel like as you skew older, uh, more people find reasons for fault with that, for whatever reason. See, now I really am stumped and stupefied. It has nothing, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the word swag. All right, You're not leaving me behind on the word swag. I'm just going to let you know. Right? But why would there be any percentage of the Cardinals fan base that does not like Kyler Murray? What's not to like well, about a guy with nine total touchdowns tied with Tom Brady for number one in the league, and for the first time in team history, you have two straight games to start a season with 30-plus points and 400-plus total yards? I mean, you know, it's not your right to not like the quarterback because of some sort of maybe different personality trait that you're not oh, on board with. I mean, you're, oh, com- drop, I mean, oh, you're, coming, to, you're coming to this for are, football. Are you being that naive? Now yeah. you're, you're analyzing the psychoanalysis of the quarterback. Just, I mean, you've got to draw the line at the, the football. Wait, 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 wait. wait. With the facts. We, and and, and we just, this just came up last weekend with the gentleman who came back. We just went through a decade of this with Patrick Peterson. There were plenty of fans who didn't like Patrick Peterson, and it couldn't have had to do anything because there were lots of people that didn't like him even before all the – crap happened with him you know what forget because the star wars kyler needs to grab the pa mic in the next home game and just shout out like russell crowe and gladiator are you not entertained i mean just start yelling that out because that's honestly that that's what it's come to he just launched his clothing brand over the summer and i, I was at his event where he held you know uh his clothing line at arizona mills and it was sold out i mean you saw a lot of a lot of younger fans in attendance buying his clothing and whatnot and actually had the chance to interview him and i liked what he said he's embracing the fact that yeah he's a younger quarterback i asked him what the difference between uh, him and aaron Rodgers and tom brady in terms of branding and he embraces the fact that there are a lot of fans that play video games that like fashion that like music aspects of his personality that many i don't want to say older fans like darren said but 
How, how would I categorize that? Categorize I mean, that? Uh, there's no, there's really no other way to do it. The, the line older is generation a, that age m- thing. The, uh, the older generation might not necessarily be a fan of, but at the end of the day, you know, he's playing to his brand. You know, you see him part of Phase. You see him. You see him. You know, listening to Drake and promoting uh, that aspect of his game. So I think it's a different way from the norm of. You know, reaching out to a different generation of fans, especially with how social media is exploding See, and whatnot. That's the thing about the, the social media is what changes everything. Because, uh, to Paul's point, if this was twenty years ago, um, he might have some commercials and he might w- whatever have some swag. Well, things were different, anyways. But all this stuff, but it wouldn't be out there as much, and it certainly wouldn't be out there as much for people to comment upon because obviously any any person can now have a Twitter handle or be on Instagram and complain about things and and that's part of it too is we're, we're we just have this giant echo chamber in this world of people that have opinions and now they have an ability to let everybody know what they are but that being said I mean I mean I look I agree with you Paul I mean if the guy is playing good football what's the issue but we know Bottom line is there's always people. I mean, look, people people say some of the same things about Baker Mayfield, who led the Browns to the playoffs in the first time or for the first time in forever last year. And there's still lots of people that think Baker Mayfield, what a what a waste and all this stuff because they don't like yeah. that he does commercials yeah. or he's whatever. Right. I mean, this just in. Hello, people. Uh, the influences that formed you as a person when you were growing up in your generation. Kyler is the same. You're identical. He just happened to grow up in the age of social media and video games and perhaps these fashion influences. He's far from the only one. Quick sports quiz. How many different guys have their own line of clothing right now on, on the Wilson Arizona had Cardinals? A shoe store. Right, Adrian back in the day. But Byron Murphy Jr., Christian Kirk have launched their own lines, Kyla Murray. So you almost need two hands to count how many guys. It's a byproduct of the age in which they grew up. Yeah. I mean, so to dislike them for being uh, part of a generation within which they've uh, grown up in, to me, is absurd. Well, I, I agree. And look, the, the, the slings and arrows start with, you know, how can you be a leader if you're playing video games all the time or whatever. And it, it reminds me. <laughs> what do you think Chandler Jones did after his five-sack know, game? He exactly. went and played Madden all night. Uh, and, and again, I judge these guys and how they're playing. And Kyler Murray is playing at an incredibly high level. So what what the hell does it matter what else he's doing? Yeah. Although I am shocked he got away with the Bruce Lee. I mean, the, you have the uniform police on the sideline. That could be the first well, and last time wasn't it he ever gets his, away it with it. Was that his, just during warm-ups? No, no but no, it, was it was under his pants. Yeah. yeah, but no, no, you don't understand the no, way those I guys are looking for yeah, uniform infractions. There's no way. And taunting so, and everything. So man. now that that's out there, this is just a poly prediction right here. Next game. The uniform police dude, the Gestapo of the uniform mm-hmm. on the sideline, is going to have binoculars if needed, focused on his thigh pads, looking for that infraction. I am. I will take that bet. And didn't let. And, like- and maybe if they do see it, he's not going to get because it's underneath. You can't. So now all of a sudden, so every guy that's wearing a T-shirt underneath his uh, underneath <laughs> his clothes, they're going to. Well, if it's visible, yeah, the guy's all over him. Dude, the that's only what reason, I'm saying. The only reason it was visible is because photographers got up close and personal and took it as close i mean joe blow couldn't have seen that the reason that the uniform police care so much is what it looks like on tv i guarantee you can't see that on tv oh of we'll course see. not what, what's your guys's opinion on the whole taunting 
controversy. There's, you know, Pete Carroll spoke you know, on I, it. I was thinking about that because we have not had an example of that in either of the games that the Cardinals have played. And, look, I, I'm the same way. I, 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 I do think, and it's funny, Ron Rivera was kind of talking about it. There was, a, there was some incidents last year that were – we're getting out of control and it's going to get to the point where there is going to be something bad that happens. And I think that's what they're trying to be careful of. But the the problem is, is like, okay, at what point do you determine this is too much? I agree that some of the flags so far have been like, oh, you know, come on. I mean, let them celebrate. Let them, type of thing. But, but the thing is, is, and somebody brought up the Lamar Jackson flip in the end zone. And the difference is, is when you flip in the end zone, technically you're not doing it. If you go back and look at all the ones that have been called, they're facing the guy when they do whatever it is they do. Do I think it's kind of soft sometimes those calls? Yeah, but I, at the same time, you know, all, all it takes is, I mean, for me, and I'm, I'm old school with this, if you get in my face and you point at me because you make a big play, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I, I think we both should be penalized for that. And, and I don't, and I know they don't want that. You well, know, I, yeah. I, I've see, the problem is, is like, I've never been a trash talker. I don't know. I don't understand the point really? of trash talking. Even when you played in high school no. or anything, no. college, if you can't, if you can't have your play stand for yourself, what the hell? But see, I'm also older than you, Felipe. I mean, you grew up in yeah. a time when I think, I mean, not that it didn't happen yeah. back when I was playing, but. You know, I'm sure it happens a lot more. And, and, and but this is where we are as a mm-hmm. country, too. People and everybody wants to trash talk now. And, and where does it get us? I don't think it gets us to very good places. If, if Paul Cavici mossed me in the end zone, I feel like you would taunt me, right? You would make some well, sort of reaction. Yeah, let's hear some stories funny. about it's funny because on things. the Red Sea report, I told Drew Stanton that when that field goal went wide right, I had half an inkling to run over to Kirk Cousins and scream, You like that? You like that? <laughs> And Drew Stan said, "No, he would have dropped you with a straight yeah, right." I go, "Yeah, you're, you're you're probably right, but uh, I like you know, how he said probably. <laughs> you know, you're probably right. I might I might have ducked it, but then I just pulled a, a quad in a youth baseball the other day, so probably not actually in hindsight. So uh, my quicks aren't what they used to be. So maybe that's my segue actually into the game, a game, gentlemen, that was a game of lead changes. How many? Eight total. Eight total lead changes, but it was the lead that did not change yes. at the end that ended up being the difference." Uh, how about some takeaways did around you, the did horn here? Did you see here? it, Paul, when you're down on the – I mean, did you know it right away or did you have to see the I rush? did not know because – and Drew and I were talking about this. When you're field level yeah. and you watch a field goal from the side, yeah. you think you know, but it's the depth perception yeah. and you're thinking, okay, wait, the field goal is in front of the ball. Like the goal post is in front of the ball, right? Yeah. That ball wasn't in front of the goal post. But as someone who wears contacts or without yeah. contacts, I couldn't drive home. I usually don't trust my eyes on something like that. So I did wait. Unlike the Vikings oh, radio I, announcer, I did actually wait for the signal before I realized I, it. I was. Well, I mean, I'm in the press box, and I try and push a story out as soon as the game ends. So obviously I've written at this point that they are going to lose because I thought for sure he was going to make it. And so I'm watching to see what happens, and I – you know, my son later gave me crap because he's like, why wouldn't you just watch the kicker? The kicker is going to tell you everything you need to know. I'm like, oh, that's mm, a pretty good point. Good I never point. thought about it. Yeah. Uh, my first thought from where I and it's the press box is at the opposite end from where that goalpost was. Um, I'm looking at the Cardinals fans behind first because I know that they're all going to be bummed if it goes through. And I know there's going to be a lot harder of a reaction if it starts to miss. And that's the first thing I notice. And then, of course, I duck 
dealt my eyes real quick down to double check with the refs before I sat down and started scrambling to rewrite what little I had written already because it was a completely different ending. So uh, the Cardinals get the win. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it was a dominant win in week one. It doesn't matter if it's a game perhaps you should have lost in week two. There's no extra column in the standings. It's just win or loss. And as we've all learned over the years, over the decades, the good teams find a, t- a way to win those close games. Whether they deserved it or not, that's up for debate. And uh, you know, with that in mind, Felipe, you give me some of your top takeaways from that game as we get rolling on this one. My immediate reaction was, Man, a lot of these players probably felt relieved. You know, DeAndre Hopkins didn't catch a pass from quarters two to four, so he was probably feeling some type of way that run defense was, you know, mediocre at best to an extent. They probably felt relieved. So that was my immediate reaction. But, you know, again, after the game, when Cliff Kingsbury gives his game balls, I'm always paying attention. Is he ever going to give it a Vance Joseph? Like, second week in a row where Vance Joseph does something uh, during the game that results in a in a better outcome. In the second half, he made the adjustments necessary. You know, he limited Kirk Cousins. He limited Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook had, like, 35 rushing yards in the second half. Kirk Cousins only had 96 passing yards. Uh, so Vance Joseph made the necessary adjustments to come out with the win. So that was my biggest takeaway. I know a lot of people are going to talk about Kyler Murray's performance, as they should. They're going to talk about their wide receivers. But if Vance Joseph doesn't make the necessary adjustment coming out of the half, I don't think the Cardinals come out with the win. Of course, luck. I hear a lot of these players always say, you know, it's hard to win in the NFL. Win's a win. So I guess a win's a win. Well, and if you're not going to give the defensive coordinator a game ball after week one, then that's, you're not going to get one after fair. week two. So, you know, you, you sort of made your own point yeah. in there um, because the first half was ugly. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. They were averaging eight yards a carry. The stack Craig Grillo had in the first half, there were six runs of 10 or more yards. Dalvin Cook was getting to the second level consistently without getting touched. I mean, we're hearing those two words, gap integrity again, which nobody needs to hear. We, we don't want to hear any of that. You miss uh, that from Steve Wilkes, don't you? Oh, boy. I, you know, <laughs> it automatically makes me think of Robert Kimdichie. It, it really, when I think of gap integrity, I think of Robert Kimdichie. I think of Corey Peters after the game with veiled references as to how certain members of the defensive line were just freelancing on their own and not paying attention or heeding gap integrity, hence there were massive holes. So I don't know if some of that was at play. I don't know if it was a byproduct of when Derrick Henry got rolling a little bit in the third quarter at Tennessee and the linebackers were over-pursuing. And that was analysis from Rod Fredrickson, a guy who had played the position. So I don't know if it was a combination there of of both. Uh, I will say this, if we're talking about things we don't like from last week, I don't like hearing the head coach after the game saying, we came out flat. I don't like Buda Baker in the team breakdown after the game ball presentation saying we need a better Friday practice. Yeah, I did notice that. Um, I, I did talk to a, a few coaches who confirmed, yeah, most of the coaching staff was not on board with the full week of practice leading into the Minnesota game. So then that leads me to believe, just putting one and one together, uh, it brings me to the word complacency, which is the 18th opponent on the Cardinals' schedule. That's from the quarterback. Did some of that play in, considering the way they came out? And in the second play of the game, you had a 64-yard touchdown catch and run, wide open, blown coverage. So little things like that uh, had me a little concerned. 
because it's sort of a relapse of last year. And now you're going into Jacksonville, a team that has lost 17 straight games. Mm. And in the last 17 straight losses, they've allowed 23 points or more in every single loss. So if you think you're going to roll the old football out there, the old hand egg or American egg ball, whatever the Euros are calling it, (laughs) and just chalk up a W, that's not the way it works in the NFL. For context, what does a Buddha Baker saying, let's have a better Friday mean? For those that are listening that might not understand why that's important, can you... Help us out. It's an astute and adroit question over there, uh, Felipe, because... I've often said Felipe is adroit. Not Detroit, adroit. With with alacrity as well. These are all big Al Michaels words he likes to use in prime time. Arizona State graduate. So Drew Stanton is, according to Drew now, into finding a Friday practice. You get out, you get it in quick, you get your work in, it has to be really crisp, you get a sweat, you get off the field, but you make sure it's crisp and efficient, everybody's on board. So any aspect of that, I guess, was lacking. You can fill in the blank. I have no idea. I haven't talked to Buda Baker. I haven't asked him to elaborate on that. He just said they needed a better Friday practice. So I'm guessing the focus wasn't quite there to the degree a team captain would have wanted to see. Which it's interesting because Buda said this year how important it was for he and others to, you know, he, he had said early in training camp that, you know, in the past, maybe I would have let some things go, and now I'm calling them out. The, the, the thing is, is the, the question becomes now, now that we heard that comment, we need a better Friday practice. Did that come up in the huddle after Friday's practice, and then he was reiterating it? Or mm-hmm. was it not brought up until after the game when they realized, oh, crap, this had made a difference? And th- that would be something that I want to know. I mean, look, you're, you're going to it's, – it's not like – they the defensively they played poorly most of the first half, but it, the offensively I thought they played well. Um, special teams obviously played well. Uh, Matt Prater crazy, but I, I so if the defense just plays a little bit better yep. <laughs> against the run or doesn't you know blow a, a something right out of the box, I, I guess I'm finding levels to it. You're if they lose we're talking about this completely differently. And that's that's part of the problem. One missed field goal changes everything. We're finding all the positives and saying you clean some stuff up, whereas if they lose that by the field goal, everybody's like, oh, my God, they blew a chance to win. They did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. And that's usually how it goes. But I agree with you going into Jacksonville. You absolutely have to win this. I don't, I don't care if it's by one or by three or whatever. You just you got to make sure you come out of this with a victory. I mean, the Jaguars are a bad football team right now. Would the conversation be different in the sense of if Kyler, let's say they make that field goal, right? Is the conversation now, man, that pick six that Kyler Murray threw is going to come back and haunt them, or is the conversation still on the defense? Because I, because aside from the pick six and aside from that blown coverage in the first what two plays of, of the yeah. game, that's fourteen points right there. I, you knock that I, off. It, where yeah. is the conversation at that point? I mean, for me, I just think Kyler played too well overall. Yeah, he threw two picks. You can you can have your arguments back and forth over the second one, whether he should have thrown it or whether he shouldn't have, whatever. Um, but your to me, your quarterback's going to throw some interceptions. I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, you don't want it to be a pick six. I would have liked, with all the great things Rondale Moore did, I, I, I would have liked to see him try and grab Vigil's ankles instead mm-hmm. of – trying to pop the ball loose like he was trying to do and, and lost the yeah. chance at stopping and at least yeah. maybe get a field goal try out of that rather than giving up the touchdown. But, um, I, I mean, again, I, 
now that they've won, and maybe I'm wrong, Paul, but I just I, I see the beginning part of the defense, and that that's what scared me because I, because I was so I was so en- enthused over how the defense yeah. played the first week, and I guess I was just yeah. so shocked. Well, it, it can't be that easy to me. It can't be that easy to run the ball like they did, especially with a suspect interior O line. Minnesota yeah. got dominated by Cincinnati the week before. The two guards gave up a combined three sacks, and, and then they're playing with backup a backup left tackle. So, yeah, I was shocked. I really was. I was shocked that Minnesota's O-line performed as well as it did, allowing only one sack, piling up the rushing yards like they did. And, and it was also the eyeball test, just Dalvin Cook untouched. Yeah. And then they, he was able to get in space, and, man, is he elusive, right? He making guys miss left and right. See, I do think Dalvin Cook's a different running back than Derek Spencer, yep. and I think, our, I think the Cardinals' defense – matches up better with a Derrick Henry than it does a Dalvin Cook. Here's my concern, though. Just like uh, just like last year when the blueprint was out, have the Minnesota Vikings put a blueprint out on the Cardinals' defense already in that, okay, guess what? No more single blocking for Chandler Jones. He's going to get chipped or get extra attention on every snap, which is what Cliff Kingsbury told us on his coach's show. So if that's the case, and then all of a sudden you're going to take it right to the Cardinals, straight up the middle, up the gut, the A and B gap, and you're going to exploit those young inside linebackers and or Jordan Hicks, who isn't perhaps the most stout at the point of attack. I'll say that much. And so, which is one of the reasons they went after Zayvon Collins in the first place, number 16 overall. So guess what? I think the blueprint is out against this Cardinals front seven. And they're probably going to see a heavy dose of that again, I would imagine, with James Robinson, who was top five in rushing yards a year ago. And if I'm Daryl Bevel and I'm Jacksonville, that's the way I attack the Cardinals' defense. But it can't be that easy to me to neutralize a Chandler Jones and and just foil the Cardinals' pass rush. He got three quarterback pressures. Okay, but they had one sack in the game, and Kirk Cousins was pretty much clean the entirety of the game. He had an easy pocket to work with. And so I just – those are things that you have to wonder about. And then their ability to take DeAndre Hopkins out of the game after the first quarter. And you're Kyla Murray when he said, we have to move him around more in the postgame presser. Okay. Is that him talking to himself? Is that him talking to the offensive coaches? Well, I mean, I, I do think it's important to get DeAndre Hopkins the ball more often. I mean – not only did he not have a catch after the first quarter, I'm not sure they threw it his way, which was really surprising to me. Um, and and we we walk a very fine line here, guys, don't we? Because um, he threw for 400 yards, and yes. they had a right. they had f- almost 500 yards of offense. And you know, Max Williams had 94 yards and almost became the first tight end of Cardinals tight end since 1989 with a hundred yard game. And Rob Awol. Rondale Moore is over 100 yards, and and Christian Kirk is making such crucial catches and is averaging 17 yards a catch. So, I know I know DeAndre Hopkins is going to want the ball, and I know they need to get him the ball more often. And there were times when you want to look at him in crucial situations because you can trust that he would get there. But there, but you have to balance that with like some of the other stuff was working too. So here's the difference this year: you can win without DeAndre Hopkins. The games last year where DeAndre Hopkins was bottled up, those Rams games in particular against Jalen Ramsey, you virtually had no chance. Well, Now this year, when DeAndre Hopkins is stopped, like he was after the first quarter, to your point, there's Christian Kirk and Rondale yeah. Moore and A.J. Green had a touchdown catch and look at Max Williams with career highs, catches, and yards. So 
that makes me bullish on this year's offense. But long term, yeah. you have to figure out a way to free up Deion. It can't be that easy that all of a sudden they're putting a safety over the top, no. and there goes DeAndre Hopkins, an All-Pro receiver. And I'm also I'm I'm almost going to quibble with you. Um, you can win without him. I disagree. You can win without him. He still had a touchdown catch. He did. Now it was early, but if you if he doesn't have that touchdown catch, which it was him and Kyler working their magic together, and if that's just a field goal, again, you're you lose. So I think they have to have DeAndre Hopkins. Now, do they need ten for one twenty and two touchdowns every week? No. And I think last year I agree with you. If they didn't get ten one twenty and two out of him, then it was more of an uphill climb. Whereas they're in a better spot now. But I I do think that DeAndre Hopkins needs to be a guy that you're you're looking for more often, especially again in crucial situations where you, you absolutely have to have a first down and find a way. And I, I'm with you, Paul. I'm with Kyler. I, I wish they would move him around a little bit more. That's been something that's been brought up a bunch nationally with DeAndre Hopkins. I know why they, they don't, and we talked about this last year. I know it's it's now become a popular thing to talk nationally, but we ta- I remember talking about it on the podcast last year about you know it has to do with tempo and, and wanting to jump right back into the play, but... I think they'd be better off moving him around a little bit more. I think they set the blueprint for games like when they do play the Rams, when they do play secondaries that are a little bit more elite because now you don't have to depend on on DeAndre Hopkins. Now it's pick your poison. Are you going to leave A.J. Green outright with one-on-one coverage and he's going to stiff-arm you? Or are you going to leave Rondo Moore in single coverage and he's going to basically outrun you? I mean, if you look down the stat sheet, D-Hop has three touchdowns, Kirk has two, Moore has one, Green has one, and you can't ignore what Kyler Murray can do out of the backfield. In week two, that wide receiver group had 278 yards. That's the second highest in week two. And we're talking about not not seeing a complete game from DeAndre Hopkins. But at the same time, you still have the second highest receiving yards in, in that wide receiver group. You're, you're just making Paul's two. point, which we don't like to do around here. <laughs> hey, when so, it comes to clutch catches, though, and this is very subjective, but when it comes to clutch catches degree of difficulty, does anyone top Christian Kirk right now? No. Mm-mm. I mean, honestly, whether it was the third and 16 or whether it was the fourth and five, I mean, that's, or the first week, that's ten he made points all right those there. Two that's, touchdown catches sure. that yeah. were both the crazy. Willie Mays catch, uh, and then the great eleven yarder right on the. I mean, he's playing unbelievable football. That me. that's ten points, right? Because in the, on that third and sixteen, that resulted in in that Kyler Murray twelve yard yes. rush t- touchdown, and yep. then that fourth and five that yep. resulted in a in a field goal, which again should have been a touchdown, yeah. but you know for whatever reason. So, although can I quibble with the fourth and five? It was at the forty one. Mm-hmm. Why risk a fourth and five when you can just automatically kick the 59-yard field goal? Why, why, why go for the fourth down right there and risk losing possession when you've got Matt Prater who'll just connect on a 59-yard blast like it's a chip shot? Here's my, here's my theory. I think ever since Kyle Odegaard left, I think he's been talking to Cliff. Hey, go, on, go for more fourth, fourth you know, downs, right? Because yeah. we know that My Kyle- guess is with some, of the things <laughs> Kyle, with some of the things Kyle is tweeting these days, I don't think he's talking to Cliff. 
By the way, in honor of Kyle and his stinking math, here's some analytics for you, Kyle, if you're out there listening. This is from uh, Next Gen Stats. Apparently, they agreed with Cliff Kingsbury's decision to go forward on fourth and five, citing, and I quote now, most definitely quote, I am not capable of generating this sort of math, citing a 3.8% difference in win probability. In going for it versus not going for it. Now, what in the Sam name of, of Kyle does that mean? I have no idea what the 3.8 difference It means you get a, probability. You have almost a 4% better chance of winning. I guess. I don't <laughs> I know mean, how they – Let me I ask you this question. I don't know how they calculate that stuff. Or, you know, if there's a 95% confidence interval in genera- generating those numerals, I have no idea. I'm going to trust them. Okay. It's all about the math. Okay. I, I, it's funny you bring up the 59-yarder. I think part of that is because of where you are – situationally in the game do let's say uh rondale moore gets out of bounds at the uh uh minnesota 44 yard line deep in the first half but there's still like a minute left and and instead of being a first down it was fourth and five okay do they try the 62 yard field goal there i say absolutely not of course they don't the only reason they did was because it was the last play. So I think that's why they don't try the field goal there. I, I think I think if it had been fourth and five at the end of the first half and there was still a minute left at the 44, they probably go for it there too instead of kicking it. That's That would be my thought. Yeah, probably. Um, by the way, here's a funny little anecdote from the sideline. It's the start of the second half, and there's time to kill. Cardinals are starting on offense, and uh, there's Matt Prater on the sideline, and someone had mentioned, hey, that's a franchise record, 62 yards, man. <laughs> it barely got a shrug. I mean, he didn't even change a facial expression whatsoever. And then you realize, well, the dude not only holds the NFL record for the all-time longest field goal of 64 yards, he also holds three individual team franchise records. Here's, here's what cracks me up <laughs> so about So it's it. no biggie for the guy. I did, I did a story on Prater, and I'm looking up all these numbers. He's only attempted two 60-yard field goals in his career, the one Sunday really? and then the record breaker. Wow. I did not realize that. Because he's never missed from 60. Here's the other stat that's ridiculous. Matt Prater has not missed in 22 field goal attempts on a game-winning field goal with two minutes wow. or less or overtime. Think about that. It's like knock I mean, on think wood about here. That, I think that was probably tops at the resume when they went and signed him as a free agent, yeah. right, after what we've seen yeah. the last few years? So. I mean, that, that is remarkable. That is astounding. They could add Prater at the end of the Patriots <laughs> is, game in 2016 you know, and the Dolphin, end of the Patriots yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. and then He's a stone-faced killer on the sideline, by the way. Th- th- those kickers are like hockey goalies. You know, Darren used to cover hockey, right? All the quirky personalities and every guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Neil Rackers had the mindset of a middle linebacker. He'd run say, down there and very he'd Neil Rackers-esque. Right, and, and Jay Feely loved to have an ongoing conversation about anything and everything on the sideline. He'd run his own talk show while he's down there. And then, you know, the cat man, Chandler Catanzaro, he's – a little nervous Nelly a little bit, you know, down there. You know, a little time, bit. A little bit. And so, you know, you had Ben Graham, the punter from Australia. Hey, mate, you know, he was total chill. You know, everyone's their own. But, I mean, Matt Prater, do not play poker with this man. He, he's just got this poker face all the time, and he's got the tats. He's got the ink that Ron Wolfley loves. Uh, and, and then, he, by the way, he drives a muscle car with 700-plus horsepower. So, you know, there's a, he's, got, he's got this mentality that might belie the body type. I'm just saying that on Matt Prater. Very well, intriguing guy. You need to do an in-depth analysis, some, a feature story on him. I already on Matt did a Prater. feature story on him, and it was more circled around at how he kicks. But <laughs> Once again, we're getting back to, you know what, you don't have a right to know a guy's personality. We well, go, yeah, as we right, come full circle I, on this one. I'm just one. saying, you know, you, know, you know, I don't know, you know, yeah. he's got swag. He's an yeah. older guy. Yeah. So. I, don't know, I don't know if he was just a fan, if he'd like Kyler. 
No, nah, okay. Now I'm yeah. just throwing. Now I'm, now I'm going to get <laughs> yeah. somebody in trouble. Yeah. Matt Prater loves Kyler. Murray. By the way, I'll get you in trouble with Ron Wolfley. Is Kyler a franchise quarterback yet or not? Is he a franchise quarterback yet or not? Because I don't think Wolf is ready to crown him a franchise quarterback yet. Yeah, well, remember how we were talking about older generation and Kyler? <laughs> Wolf's pretty old. Oh, boy. What, what was his reasoning, though? Shots fired. What was his reasoning, though? Is it the video game part? No, the- no. I, I, with, <laughs> no. With Wolf, look, I, I've heard Wolf argue this lots of times, and you know, Wolf is just Wolf seems like this, the kind of guy that a guy already has to has to play 10 years before he's going to crown anybody anything. So <laughs> I, I think it's a matter of time, maybe with Wolf. I personally do. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I'm going to say yes, because I've seen it now. Uh, I've seen the progression over two years and two games. I've seen it continue to arc up. I know he's going to get a giant contract. And I know that he is a guy that helps you win football games. Now, to me, saying a guy is a franchise quarterback doesn't guarantee you're going to win a Super Bowl because it's hard to win a Super Bowl, and there's been some great quarterbacks that have not won a Super Bowl. Um, But if we're talking about a franchise, to me, a franchise quarterback is a guy that you're like, I want him as my quarterback. I'm not thinking about changing my quarterback. And I think he absolutely has proven that you're not thinking about changing your quarterback. And I I think he's improved, talking about in ways that he's progressed, Darren, and this is something that I get a lot of head scratchers because I listen to some of the people at the national level, <clears throat> Stephen A. Smith, who constantly ra- constantly rave about his rushing ability. It's, it, they always talk about how Kyle did that too. So yeah, it's not and, just and the it's, it's it's always the the narrative around Kyler is always about what what he can do with his feet. But I mean, can we not? agree that he's improved passing the ball as well i mean the team's what third in the league and and passing the and passing yards through two weeks i mean some of the passes that you've seen him make out of the pocket kind of they're eye openers now does he need to clean up some things like the interceptions of course because you compare him to uh, the tom brady and aaron Rodgers of the world and i mean you look at the stat sheet tom brady five touchdowns in week two no interceptions aaron Rodgers last night four touchdowns no interceptions so he is a franchise quarterback because he's improved in some of the questions that we had coming into year two, year three. Can he pass the ball? Does he have the arm strength? Is he too – a lot of, oh, he's too short type of thing. But I think he's gone against that. He's proven that he's an, NFL, he's an elite NFL quarterback now. What needs to happen for him to be in that elite top-tier conversation, mm-hmm. right? And, and it all starts with the interceptions for me. Well, and you also hear some of the national analysts, I think most recently was D'Angelo Hall on NFL Network talking about the mind of Kyler Murray. And to me, it's obvious that's where he takes the next step, right? right? I mean, you know, my mantra, which I'm still waiting for somebody to purchase and trademark so I can just go ahead and retire and live off the proceeds, come yeah, for the arm, yeah. stay, stay for, for the, the legs. legs yeah. I'm now going to evolve that. Come for the arm, stay for the legs, admire the mind of Kyler Murray as he's making these decisions and he's staying in the pocket and you heard Cliff Kingsbury talk about his ability to extend these plays and how they've studied other high-powered offenses, and he called it some of the top offenses in the league and creating that second phase of the play, which right. obviously we saw multiple times against the Minnesota Vikings, the 77-yarder to Rondale Moore, most in particular, that second phase of the play that becomes really difficult to defend 
And you saw it. Vikings DBs, after a number of those plays, were Kyler's escapability, and he's turning his back to the line of scrimmage, and he's using his rearview mirror, and then he gets his eyes downfield, and he completes a pass. And those Minnesota Vikings DBs were cheesed off. They're yelling at each other. They're frustrated. That was your guy. No, you're supposed to stay in that zone. They got all discombobulated. And and how and to Dave Pash's credit, he said it during the call. I mean, 99.9% of the quarterbacks on the planet cannot do that. You can count them on one hand. We saw Lamar Jackson do it the other night. Mahomes obviously has that ability, but not with the sheer speed no. of a Kyler Murray. Even Mahomes, not Lamar, because Lamar is every bit as fast, at least to my eye, having watched him field level as well as Kyler Murray. But, I mean, it's, it's Kyler and Lamar Jackson who are able to escape some of those pass rushers the Vikings put on him. I, I feel like – I do feel like Russell Wilson has a way to do it. Now, the difference is Russell Wilson rarely – he's not the same guy if he decides to run with the ball. I mean, he's had some long runs, but he's not – he doesn't have the speed of those other two to really hurt you. But I do feel like Russell's in that category. But, um, Again, I, I see a guy that is getting smarter. He's making checks at the line. We saw it again, the Christian Kirk 35-yard play on fourth down. He checked out of that, and he went to the play that worked in Tennessee, and it worked again. And that's, to me, that's smart football. Um, I, I agree with Felipe. You want, you want to cut out the interceptions. You know, again, the second one, Kyler said that he felt like if he doesn't get hit or grabbed or whatever happened into his face mask that he thinks there's a touchdown – I've seen a screen grab of Christian Kirk deep. It, I'm not sure it gets intercepted. I don't. I, it might have been a low, a low percentage shot at the end zone, but I think it would have been in the end zone, and there would have been people going up for it. And, and the way Christian Kirk's playing, who knows if he would have gotten it? Um, the first interception, I just didn't. He, he was in the pocket for forever. He wanted. He decided to stay in the pocket, which was fine. Uh, but he kind of like looked over there long enough where even I knew where the ball was going to go. And it just, it w- he doesn't have the, that strong of an arm where he's going to, it reminded me a little bit that pass of the AJ green completion in Tennessee, which when you watch it, you're like, how the hell did he get that without the cornerback able to close on it? I thought it was going to get picked and AJ green caught it on the sideline. And you know, that's that again, that's the part of him where he knows I'm uber talented and I have an uber strong arm and I'm going to try and make something happen that most people on the planet can't. And in this case, it just didn't work. And you know what? It's the guys with the greatest arm talent that can get them in trouble sometimes when they think they can complete every pass. Brett Farver. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And it's interesting because after the Jaguars lost their 17th straight game to Denver, I saw a couple of comments from Denver DBs and they cited Trevor Lawrence. They said any rookie quarterback with a massive arm thinks they can fit it in anywhere and they're going to try it and they're going to test you and they're going to try and force that football at times and we got them twice that was the Denver defensive secondary talking and you know what I think that's an area where Kyler is still learning and we saw that twice in this last game that he does have such great arm talent the arm angles the velocity even more zip on the ball this year than in years past according to his receivers and Chase Edmonds and Christian Kirk and company that, yeah, there's a few times where perhaps, and even Drew Stan cited this, you know what, uh, I think on the, you know, on the second one, I'm going to rocket this thing downfield, but in the NFL, with the way safeties play, it's too risky. The air yards that he had on the Rondale Moore pass, and it wasn't a perfect spiral. You look at that, the ground level one, and it's ducking its way out there. 
But it. But he's running left. He's running left, and he threw. What did he throw it? Thirty yards in the air, mm-hmm, at least. I mean, that was that's crazy. And I, I think Kyler Murray is one of the best improvisers in the NFL, right? You mentioned Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson, he had, you know, out of his pass, pass attempts, 38% of them were labeled as accurate in week two compared to 807 from Kyler Murray. So things like that, when people Look try to— you crunching numbers over there. They, when people try to bottle both of those quarterbacks up, I tend to disagree because I haven't seen Lamar Jackson be consistently— Accurate, and I think that's an area where Kyler Murray has improved. I mean, when he improvises and he leaves that pocket, I mean, you're not, I want to say, a handful or more than a handful of those quarterbacks get sacked in the backfield. But Kyler Murray has a way of escaping pressure, he knows when to run out of bounds, he knows when to pass it. I think he's matured, he's improved, he knows when to run out of bounds most of the time, exactly. (laughs) So, I think in in those areas, in those areas, when it comes to improvising in the NFL, Kyler Murray is close to mastering it. Again, he needs to improve in play recognition, things of that nature. But I think having the qualities that he has that labels him as a franchise quarterback. How does Jacksonville win this game? Darren Urban, go. Uh, if somebody for the Cardinals gets hurt. I knock know, I, wood, I, I, know I, I don't believe in that stuff. <laughs> you haven't done this long enough. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Um, I, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I, honestly, I, I've been, and Paul, you've been there too. Um, they got off. They, they beat Jacksonville in 2013, the last time they were there. and But they got off to a slow start, and it was hot. It was early in the season. Um, they... Uh, have had their issues in Tampa Bay, even against mediocre Tampa teams because they go cross country and it's hot. And that's the one thing I'm a little concerned about is like, what's the weather going to be like? Last time we were in Florida was Miami and it was raining sideways in absolute sheets. And Patrick Peter saying, what's the problem? This is what I grew up with down here. What do you guys have a problem with this? Yeah, I got a problem. I just, I keep thinking of like 88 and high, high humidity and just like, blah. Yeah. And if you don't come out, like you would said earlier, I'm like, you can't afford to come out flat in that. I keep thinking back to that 20, uh, the Bruce Arians 2013 game in Tampa. Uh, and even they they played on with Wizen on in 2007 in Tampa, and it was just like they slept walk through most of the game because they because of the weather and because of the trip and everything. And I'm just I'm hoping that this team jumps out early, realizes their mistake from this past week, jumps out early and and plays with a little bit of enthusiasm because I, I think that's going to be necessary. Because if you the the one thing you can't do for Jacksonville is let them stay in the game. No. They're they're looking to get beat down, so beat them down. Are you guys gonna go fishing in Jacksonville? I know you guys leave like what Friday. You yes, guys all have you guys ha- have all Saturday. What what, what's your guys is when you have a day off like that on the road? What do you guys typically do? Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, now that I'm not on morning radio, I actually do make plans. In the past, I'd sleep 18 hours on that Saturday, so <laughs> now I actually true. have the ability to do something. So that's great. I need to call my travel agent and figure something out. Why do you have a suggestion? You have a good fishing spot, Felipe. I what, just remember. What do you, what do you you got a guy? Uh, Rolando Cantu was talking to us about how when he goes to Florida, he fishes. And, you know, you got to listen to yeah. Rolando Cantu. He, yeah. he probably, like, he's one of those guys that if he catches a fish, he's going to grill it that same night, you know, <laughs> cut it up, <laughs> something right. like that. So, Do we have to right. talk about his yeah. uh, his carne asada and the the, uh, the wood, the piece of wood again? <laughs> 
if I catch a fish, I'm going to take it to Rolando because he'll be able to skin it and uh, debone it and all that. Get it ready actually for fillet because that's yeah. uh, that's not going to happen for uh, for years truly. No, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of you know what scares you about this game, and it's all related to the Cardinals. And if you can't stop the run, and you know if you come out and uh, you're going through the motions, but if you're going to try and replicate the Tennessee trip, which was very similar, the early that's kickoff true. and the 90 degrees and 90 percent humidity. Then in uh, your number one threat on offense is the running back, just like the Tennessee Titans and James Robinson. Although they're not running him, he's run like sixteen times in two games. That's it. He well, was a top five running aren't, back. Aren't they behind like twenty nothing after like two minutes? Apparently, though, like they started the game, the opener against Houston with twelve straight passes. They didn't even give him a a rushing attempt in the first I'm quarter not, of the I'm opener. Gonna, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Urban Meyer era goes. Would you guys yeah. compare this week to week three of the 2020 season when they hosted the when the Cardinals hosted the Lions at home and they were the top-ranked offense and they had all this momentum? Because I know I you, think the you Lions labeled were it as a team last year. Because of Matthew Stafford, I'm, yes. I'm assuming. I just want to see a – And com- Matt Prater. And Matt, oh, that's right. He's <laughs> yeah. the one that won in the game. I just yeah. want to see a complete game from J.J. Watt. I mean, all this talk about – you know, the, the defensive line, him and Chandler Jones. But, you know, I haven't necessarily seen a complete game from him. You know, he, he's had flashes, but when you have, I think he had like a 40, 42.8 run defensive grade, according to Pro Football Focus. I mean, come on. And there were two or three other D linemen who were below him, yeah, correct? Exactly. Uh, Zach I Allen, mean, yeah. Jordan Hicks had a 27.8. Run defensive grade, yeah. according to Pro Football. I, I just, so I, I think gap integrity <laughs> I or think, lack thereof. I think against the rookie quarterback, I think they're going to be able to find some things. And and for me, and I know you got to get past the blockers first, mm-hmm. but I mean, I I think a guy like J.J. Watt and a guy like Chandler Jones, I, I think they know down deep that if they get to go against a rookie quarterback, they've got some things in their toolbox. Would you guys say that? not necessarily being in training camp all month kind of had a s- small effect on J.J. Wise. He's still trying to get I his thought, legs I under him. He played re- I thought he played really well in the first game. I, I just I, – I, I did I think he played great in game two? Probably not, but I, I, I have a hard time saying anybody on defense played great. Um, but I thought he played – I thought he played well. I thought he showed up a bunch of times and he was eating up blockers. And, you know, sometimes it's not going to just be about the stats. So I, I, mm-hmm. I liked his first game for sure. Yeah, the front seven in the first half struggled with four Gs. There's no doubt about it. And then they went jumbo, according to Buda Baker, in the second half. So whatever that means exactly, they had much more success in the second half. But everybody in that defensive front owns the first half. They <laughs> were just wide open rushing lanes for Dalvin Cook that were inexplicable and inexcusable. And it'll be curious to hear what Vance Joseph has to say about that this week because that was one of the leading things he wanted to resolve from last year was the fact they were bottom third in running defense. So, And guess what? You're in a division with the Niners, who are a run-first offense. You're in a division with the Seahawks, who still have a very potent run game. For everything that's about the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, the play caller, the head coach, and then Russell Wilson – there's still a run-first mentality. So that's going to be a huge liability for this Arizona Cardinals team in the division games if they don't re- resurrect so, some semblance of a run defense on a consistent basis. Well, for the same reason that we shouldn't have gotten over our skis after the Titans game that they were the best defense since the 85 Bears, we should not be getting over our skis that you know this could be a season-long thing. Let's, let's kind of see how this plays out. I mean – they do face a good running back this week, but this offense is not great. The Rams game next week will be very interesting. 
um, because it's the Rams' offense. It's not like the Rams have a really great running back, and in fact, Henderson, their top running back right now, is dealing with injuries. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But uh, you know, I, I think this team has got the abilities. They've just they got to get that consistency. Hey, this might be the last game before Urban Meyer leaves for the USC job. So we'll we'll see about that. <laughs> By the way, I think Vance Joseph. You watch. He'll show anything and everything, including the kitchen sink, when it comes to looks and coverages and defensive fronts just because there's a rookie quarterback sure. in game number three. I'm sure. He'll show them anything and everything. I, I don't I don't want to get too far afield, but I know we're getting near the end here, and I got to know. I mean, we were talking about Star Wars earlier. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, okay. I got. I got. I think we we brought this up last week, Felipe, when we talked about how you somehow had never seen Jerry Maguire, even though it's been it was filmed right here, right? Did mm-hmm. that come up last week? Yeah, it did. I don't think. Well, I think I was like three years old when that came up. Okay. Yeah, but there's th- such things as like streaming <laughs> services and and DVDs and stuff. I can't find so. it on HBO Max or YouTube TV. I know Paul doesn't like YouTube TV, according to. You know, his incident at the gym. If they want to bring in Calvisi Consulting, I, I will definitely give them a lot of improvements on YouTube TV. I'm just saying, as, as, a, as a home subscriber, uh, I will say that there's a lot left to be desired, and uh, I, I will most definitely improve their platform. Okay, so my question is, what, what, what all-timer movies, and Felipe is probably going to have more because, you know, he's a youngin. But like, what well, what all timer movies? If you say I've never seen that, we're all gonna go like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, but mm. it's sort of the you don't know what you don't know. How does he know what he didn't see when he didn't exactly. see it? Well, my, I mean, my all timer is like Space Jam type of thing. Like that's when I think of all timers. When I have kids, I'm I'm gonna ask them. I'm gonna make sure. Have you seen Star Wars? I have during the during the quarantine era. Okay, that's uh, right. You're saying yeah, yeah. Okay. the original all. Star Wars, a return of of the Jedi. Did you see the first two or three of them? Yes, yes, yes. yes okay, yes. so here's the question, Paul. Then if he doesn't know what he doesn't know, throw me out one or two that you're like, Felipe, you really should have seen this. Oh boy, Blues Brothers. Have you seen Blues Brothers? I see. I've never seen Blues Brothers. <laughs> oh, for, you've so, never so what seen. What does that say about that's Paul? That Darren I'm Paulie protest. Darren <laughs> Urban. <laughs> you, Darren Urban, has not seen Blues Brothers <laughs> all the way through. I've oh never seen goodness. Animal House all the way through. You've never seen Animal House all the way all through. All the way through. I've you know what? I, I, I'm now officially podcasting under protest. I, I'm filing this entire Cardinals you don't have any under movie, protest. You have no movies like that. I mean, come on. Is Pulp Fiction considered an all-time I, that, You know. I haven't watched that. That's a, that's a, that was a little. How about Caddyshack? You've seen Caddyshack? I don't know who's in that movie. That's an older one. But like, okay. Who's Every in that man. movie? I really don't know. Bill like, Murray. Uh, I know who he is. He was in Roddy Space Jam. Every man has a breaking was in point. Space Jam. Was in Space Jam. Is, have you seen That's Ghostbusters? Just, uh, the 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 original one. Not, <laughs> no, not okay. a, this, Do you this, know who Bill Murray is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's that guy. Who he's shows, like a, a big Cubs fan, right? <laughs> big Cubs yes. fan, right? That's yeah. how I know him. Yeah, he knows him. He knows Bill Murray because yeah. a Cubs fan right. and because he was in Space Jam. Exactly. Well, no, and he pays, plays in the Pebble Beach pro am with Larry. You know, every March or whatever. You know, this is me slamming the microphone against my forehead here in protest of all this. I, I want to know. What <laughs> okay, you, I want to know. When, I want to know when you haven't seen Paul. There's got to be something that you got to no, admit I'm, to the world. I'm, I'm sure there is, but um, I'm too distraught over hearing uh, your selections there and what you guys uh, have failed. Just epic fails in, 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 your, in your lifetimes. I, I hate to say it. So uh, I just I don't know if I can continue, honestly, uh, with another edition of uh, Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. That's, that's TBD uh, based on next week. We'll see if I'm here or not. Somebody call Kyle. <laughs>